You want to start the show? I do. Hey, everyone, or maybe just you, and welcome to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. I am Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with my friend, Nicholas Rave. Damn, we have cool last names. We do. We <laughs> totally win the last name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't, I can't even remember how many people have asked me if my last name was fake. Like if I came up with that. Um, nope. My, yeah. I, I, I've for a long time said I have a cooler last name than Nicholas Cage, and his is made up. <laughs> Ooh, that's amazing. I, what I compare myself to Tommy Gunn from Rocky. Mm. Same, same dude. A uh, little, little, little troubling. Yeah, I suppose. Gentle, gentle, not so gentle fellow, I suppose. Uh, there is a a knight who's on a plaque somewhere in Massachusetts, uh, a, a Sir Gun who came over with some Vikings or something. Oh, Sir Gun. Like a, like a, what did my dad tell me? In, in the many, many recounting that he will do of things that he watches on History or Discovery, he'll just tell me the whole episode and I will hear some of it. Uh, <laughs> in between stories about rocks, because he likes to collect rocks, agates oh. specifically. Yep. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of having a 69 year old man talk to you about rocks, but I can, or text you about rocks. I can give you his number. Mm, yeah. That's no, I'm good. I do yes. like agates. They're cool and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, whatever. Everybody's got to have their thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was waiting to see if the, the version of Knights would pop into my head because it's kind of cool, but it didn't. It did mm. not. Something's a special. It's a special kind of knight that this the Sergan was. A Templar. <laughs> I think so. Knight Templar Knight. Absolutely. Really. That is actually really? A thing. totally. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. those are the ones that like didn't they do the crusade? The crusade. <laughs> that was the Knights Templar. So yes, yeah. Um, they were up to some shenanigans, doing mm-hmm. some stuff. Yeah. Hey, look, it's a whole. It's a day of the week, and here we are. We watched some stuff. We're going to talk about, it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we do here. What do we do here? Uh, we explore how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. Yes. And typically how we do that is we start the show and then just talk to each other about all the things that we watched in the last week, um, which is often a lot because we like watching things. Uh, And one of the reasons we like watching things is because we have made an effort to figure out how to let movies and TV change us. And use them as a spiritual and and psychological healing tool. So One of the themes in yeah. my life in the past week or so is to been acknowledge and be nice to myself about my own natural pro- proclivities. And this has actually come up. I've been re-listening to Liz Gilbert's um, "Eat, Pray, Love." Mm. Uh, she's she's reading it. I've got it out of book on tape because I'm old uh, audiobook <laughs> and I'm listening and one of the funny bits she gets to this part where she thought she was going to go into silent meditation in India and then they gave her a new job instead of scrubbing the floors she was going to be this host for all of these uh, people coming to their silent meditation so they just needed her to be gregarious and talking to people so some of the themes coming up lately in my own life have been that I've been wondering 
why I haven't been diving into spirituality in the ways that I have in the past. And Hmm. the, the story that came up, a friend of mine was like, you know, about three weeks ago, a month ago, when you watched every single one of the Marvel universe, like Avengers movies, like you realized that you were dropping in and doing the work of healing the world, right? Yes. Not only like dropping in and, and doing healing of your own self, but you were called to that because that's part of your, you know, there are many monks who hum and drone off on mountains right. and stuff. And that was your version of doing that. And I was like, that is true. That mm-hmm. was my version of doing that. And I've been just thinking a lot about the things that I'm drawn to talking about and getting excited about and encouraging in other people. And I get pretty thrilled when I stop shooting myself about what spirituality is supposed to look like or what I like the kind of meditation I should be doing. That's like totally spiritual. I'm like, no, no, I do already have this deeply spiritual process of paying attention to the way that media moves me and shows up for me. And the things that I think you'll love. So I have been feeling an emotional call. And by call, I mean somewhat terrified of things I haven't watched yet. (laughs) And I like to pay attention to my resistance, as we know. That's a theme for me. Uh, And I'm wondering if you want to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can't watch everything. So there are two... Uh, guiding feelings that we often talk about as telling you what direction to go. And that is things you're drawn to. Like, I really want to watch this, watch that. And then also things that you're like, I don't think I want to watch that. That is also (laughs) often a good sign that there's something there for you to learn. (laughs) So if we hearken back to our theme of the TV and movies that made us, Mm, mm Mm-hmm. The, there are two shows, one that exists and one that's going to happen, that are sort of part, they're part of my DNA in a way. So one of them is a little bit less terrifying. Uh, apparently, there's a Punky Brewster remake where Solil Moonfry, pretty sure that's how you say her name, the woman who played Punky Brewster, is now an adult she is a, a photographer by trade who has these children she may or may not have adopted. And apparently we're meeting her in her just separated from her husband life, who is played Whoa. by mm, Freddie Prince Jr. Okay. Okay. And so- one of the friends that was from the punky world is also in it. And so it's like it's like a heartfelt family-esque sitcom featuring mm, single mom artsy single mom lady who used to be fun and so she's sort of like finding her fun again and i remember at some point in high school remembering oh my god i used to love punky brewster i used to watch that kind of had the love the like roll up the the whatever your pants and the bandanas on the things and there was something fashion wise i dug so i had these vhs tapes from back then. So I would like played it and I was watching one of the episodes. And I was like, this, this is awful. This is, this is not good. This is <laughs> dumb. And so I don't know anything about Punky not Brewster. funny. Yeah. I think Punky Brewster was just a young girl adopted by this old dude, tiny, young, quirky girl and super old white dude. 
plus her huh. friends. There's the, there's this episode I do remember where one of the friends they're playing hide and seek maybe at a junkyard and one of the friends hides in a refrigerator and almost dies. And so you got to remember, don't do that is the point. That's the moral. I remember going back and watching that. It was so bad. Uh, and I'm also a little terrified because I don't really know what the cellular memory of this like feisty, yeah. you know, like picky long, Pippi Longstocking sort of in there too. Like the triumphant, silly rebel young girl. And I think back in the 80s, n- being a non-conforming conforming young woman was kind of a big deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was a bigger deal because apparently no one did that. And I was one of those that did that. Yeah. Uh, so Punky was in that world of like, what do you mean I'm not supposed to do the thing because I'm a girl? Fuck that. I'm going to do this thing. And anyway, cute sitcom. I'm a little terrified of it because I'm having a feeling that it'll make sense when I describe this next sitcom that is also coming out so by the same people who made blackish wait wait wait, hold on can we punky brewster for a second before you move on yeah you have do okay you- so uh it, it sounds like they're doing a cobra kai thing with punky freaking brewster which is like i know huh? that seems know. like an odd choice um i don't know the other lingering feelings about punky brewster right right uh and also wasn't it like that was like quite a while ago so it's not even like hitting the like the age range Mm -hmm. that would have um it's it's like i don't know i guess mr rogers was still a big deal and that was even further back but um early 80s yeah so the other thing that comes to mind is like there are other movies that i there are movies that for me hold up like the never ending story. I talk sure. about that one a lot. I feel like that one is one that is like still cool, even though it's some of the special effects are a little hokey, but it's like, it, it, do, it knows how to do what it does well. But then there's movies like Tron. Yeah. So many people have fond memories of the first Tron movie, including me. Um, you go back and watch that. <laughs> that movie is so boring. Yeah. Like there's just long sequences where they're showing off their special effects and you're just like, Oh my God. Kids watch this. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd be scared to watch police Academy. Mm, for a right. similar reason like all six of them comedy too in general is a thing that like it doesn't always age well like there's yeah. some movies like um like blues brothers that i went and watched much later than everybody else watched it and i'm like what the I fuck is this thing. it's just <laughs> it's just benny hill with cars <laughs> mm, yeah really <laughs> yeah so, but people thought it was cool and stuff right? like what, yeah. yeah well so you've got this like 80s comedy sitcom with the tiny person that was made for kids attempting to be now a new sitcom. I'm not yeah. sure. And it's also Punky Punky Brewster was like Blossom before Blossom was Blossom. That is right? who I have in my head when yeah. I when you say the word Punky Brewster or when you say that name, I'm like Blossom. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. essentially the same thing but just different age And she groups. was old she was older and the uh-huh. subject matter was a little more teenage but you know, like elementary school through middle school is like punky. And then yeah. Blossom is middle to high school. Yeah. So 
Could be cool though. I mean, wouldn't 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 the weirdest thing in the world be if it was freaking awesome? Like it was like dealing with like really deep issues and like mm-hmm. talking about stuff in a really relevant kind of way. Right. So my theory, which I will start talking about as I talk about this other show, is that it won't be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay you you probably have a pretty good bet there but uh <laughs> go down to vegas so i want to know why not awesome. i still want to know why so i so okay so there's this show made by the same people who made blackish that's and i i can feel the hairs on my neck already starting to like prickle up for me right now before I even say the fucking title of this show, mm. <coughs> this show was called. <laughs> this show is. <clears throat> this show is called Mixed-ish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to compose myself slightly. Seems like maybe that word has some like uh, <clears throat> personal weight. Mixed-ish. Cool, 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 cool. So this is a show. With a, uh, a biracial couple, uh, a fa- father and mother, set in the 80s, raising two daughters who are of mixed race. Hmm. And so they will reveal from this perspective of the 80s what it is to be a family that is like biracial parents and biracial children, mixed, mixed, mixed family in the 80s. Except, and the fucking father is Mark Paul Gosser. Zach from Saved by the Bell. Okay. The actor who plays Zach from Saved by the Bell. So, so on one hand, it could be terrifying for me to watch a mixed family in the 80s because I was a child in a mixed right. family in the 80s. And that could be so incredibly relevant that it could be ter- like traumatizing to me yeah. to watch. Or it could be so viscerally finally being represented. Well, depends on how well they represent it. <laughs> uh-huh. But the creepy factor is that the person who would be playing my dad was would also be the person that I grew up having a crush on and also wanting to be. Whoa. And so it's like, <laughs> like, as I process our own, this is what we do when we drop fully in and say yes. I'm like, this show terrifies the shit out of me. Now, I watched a trailer, and this is straight up being a comedy, like mm. a sitcom. Yeah. And I just cringed at them trying so hard at all of the jokes and all of the energy oh. and the enthusiasm. And I was just like, on one level, I actually think that we might should be completely done with the classic sitcom model because I mm-hmm. think it's crap and there's so much better television happening. Yeah. That that's part of what terrifies me is to take something that could be beautifully done and right. use this antiquated format and also set it back in the 80s. Now, there's an opportunity with the 80s. I just watched uh, Glow mess around with the 80s and racism and touch. And it's sort of like you can sort of drop in because the 80s were so just god awful and stereotypical. You sort of can drop in and it's a little like a little bit of 
disassociation to it that allows you to actually fully explore something, recognizing yeah. it's part of the past. But boy, that just seems like like an entire minefield of rewiring my body and contorting it on my couch in ways that I'm not sure I'm ready for. Well, if it's like, you know, two and a half men level fucking jokes, then it's like, uh... It seems this, that yeah. this makes me think of two things. It makes me think of um, all of the the movies that I felt movies and shows that I felt were a squandered opportunity or potential where it's like, mm-hmm. there was something really cool here that you could have done and you fucking ruined it. Like you just <laughs> left it all on the table because you don't know what you're doing and you right. don't understand the subject matter. Um, the other thing that it makes me think is boy, do you need to watch uh WandaVision <laughs> because they are kind of they're, I mean, they're, they're playing with that format. And the last episode, they finally got to the 80s. And um, it was unreal. So good. Like the title, they have title sequences that they modeled off of. Like, it's Wanda and Vision. And right. it, they have like a 50s version, a 60s version. The 80s version, like uh, Faye and I, children of the 80s, were just, cackling the (laughs) whole way through because it's so schmaltzy and it's so on point like they nail it nice um it's really fun so (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not telling you anything about the plot line but uh yeah you're gonna enjoy that and the dissection of the tropes of uh of that that sitcom format that's just like so old yeah, I'm not sure why it's still happening. But mm. then again, there's like for I mean I think I think we've talked about the fact that like two and a half men was for on on forever and NCIS. And apparently there's this middle of the country or right. this collection of humans who have vastly different values and humor. Yeah. I, I and think really enjoy is, that format still. I, I guess. I guess. I gotta I gotta put it down with like the same people who when they when they reach for uh, like a beautiful tea bread, like a pumpkin spiced tea bread, they don't get just viscerally pissed off if there are raisins in it instead of chocolate chips. Who <laughs> <laughs> worked at this community college where they would make this amazing chocolate chip pumpkin fucking tea bread? Every bite was just so saturating and perfect. And to go and grab it thinking that I bought the chocolate chip one and then to bite in and for there to be raisins. I'm like, who part of the thing about raisins is they steal the moisture from the rest of the bread. So the whole bread experience isn't just like moist and chocolatey with like salty, savory, fatty. It's like, so what I'm saying. What did raisins do to you? <laughs> is that as much as I can't understand why the sitcom format exists, I have to appreciate that maybe somebody is walking to that fucking snack shop at the college, grabbing it and it's like, oh my God, it's Raisins Day and it's their best day. And like some raisins. fucking monster is walking up there. <laughs> and they're like, I'm so excited. I don't even like chocolate. You know, the same people are like, it's sweater weather. I want to wear a scarf, you know? So I'm sure somebody's like, oh my gosh, I get to see my story of my childhood with my I had a, 
had a crash on him and now he gets to be my daddy. Somebody is thrilled <laughs> that this show was happening while I'm just <laughs> that somebody is not you. <laughs> Apparently, no. Uh, I didn't make it through the trailers, but I had to pause a bunch. Well, I am curious to see the report when these things finally right. come out. I mean, I've already had an emotionally stirring experience yeah. without even watching the show. Yeah. Um. All right. So what have you watched? Like, wait, did we start with something you watched already? No, I watched Aquaman. Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Hey, do you know? So it was long. Oh my God. Yeah. That is the most relevant thing to say about that movie. So it was, so I, um, so I'd already watched Batman versus Superman and the couple of wonder woman things. And what did I, I watched the everybody's together justice league. I watched justice league. So sort of seen Aquaman do a thing of usefulness. I think I don't remember is, anything about this. It was better than those things. And for me, that yeah. is not saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's, it's just as it's very long. It's very long in the way that the other movies are long. It's actually quite beautiful. Yes. And I don't, I don't recall hating him or who he's being, or how it all goes for any of it. And I do remember having this moment somewhere kind of near the end where I was like, so as we're evolving as a society, are we ready yet to begin to give men as much shit for their mommy and daddy issues as we tend to give women? Mm. are we super ready for that yet because that's so this movie uh i'm just like mommy issues oh my god with like the villain and yeah. like daddy issues with the thing and i was like are we ready to tease or are we going to be more evolved i was like i know every human has trauma mm. but just in this particular superhero movie i, I just keep like knocking on the doors like when when are we really going to talk about this so give me an example of where that's not uh, like I, I gather you were drawing a line along gender there. So you feel like men don't get as much flack for it or that it's more acceptable to just have hey, those issues. What's, here's what's fun about daddy issues as a man is you probably just work too hard at being successful mm. and achieving shit that you don't fucking care about. To mm. prove it to your dad that you can be a man. That's like our whole society's like. Right. They put those people on a pedestal. Right. I'm right. Like, so guys, knock, knock, knock. Uh, you don't give a shit about that. And it keeps you from feeling your penis. But that's a long story. Anywho. <laughs> and then there's just like. All the, like the ending of the Batman versus Superman. Where they're like, Martha. Right? Like, Batman, <sighs> it's sad because his family dies, but that's every story of every guy who's now a vigilante is like, oh, I lost my mommy. Yeah. But nobody's like, hey, dude, um, therapy. Ch cheaper. Right. No, yeah. let's just put on a costume and beat the fuck out of people. Yeah. 
so we're at Aquaman and like, you know, he's like, he's got a train to live up to his legacy because he's the heir. Uh, but on the other side, down in Atlantis, Waterworld, there's his half-brother who's like, I fucking hate my half-brother because mommy. Uh, and then now they're fighting each other and like, I, I would love to meet you because I didn't have a brother. And that's pretty cool. I know having a brother would be really cool. Oh, no. But I, why don't we hate each other? I don't know. Mommy. Ah! Right? <laughs> that's pretty much three hours. <laughs> of that and a video game it's basically like scenes of that interspersed with cut scenes from a video game right well and the world they build is fantastic and gorgeous and beautiful and the scenes of the fighting different animals are really pretty sweet i love the i don't know it is a video game with these weird ass levels of like oh Mm -hmm. what is this world where if you have a uh flare you won't get eaten <sighs> yeah mom get through that i don't know i just went with like women are awesome <laughs> J- jason <laughs> jason mimosa is very very <laughs> charming though so right, I, I i will watch him like that that carries the movie is he's yeah. like charismatic as fuck and um gorgeous obviously and he does a great job he's funny and he's charming and like he freaking nails it and gives i mean let's let's give a little perspective here okay sure 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 that movie is i would argue one of the best dc movies that has been made like maybe the first wonder woman is better but like point to another one. Like they're all garbage. And yes. that movie is like acceptable, if not forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fucking Aquaman. Aquaman is a joke. Aquaman has always been a joke. Right. Aquaman is like the joke has always been like, what are you going to do if there's a problem in the desert, you dumbass? Like, are you going to call your fish friends? And, like, they made him into an actually cool, interesting kind of character. And, this like, is why I know the they. Deep is such a pushover? Uh, yes, yes, okay, exactly. Yeah, in the boys. Um, <laughs> uh, they did do that in the comics, by the way. So, in the comics, they made Aquaman into a badass. So, they mm. are modeling that. But the Aquaman that has existed in cultural consciousness is a joke. And to then like turn that around, uh, that's impressive to me. Now I will say like, you're like the video game stuff. And you're saying like the world that they built, Mm -hmm. I would just like, I'll contrast that with like avatar, right? Which I Um, haven't seen. The, the James Cameron blue people avatar. Not yet. Oh, all right. Well it's it. Yeah. It's dances with Smurf. Um, (laughs) That's what it is. Um, (laughs) It's Dances with Wolves with Giant Smurfs. That's what the movie is. Um, It's good. It's good. It's, I mean, James Cameron is a consummate filmmaker. So he is, he's excellent. He did a wonderful job. What's a different world building example? I mean, there's not a lot. People don't build new worlds anymore. They just make old ones. Um, They adapt them. But yeah, I would just say like, it's the world that they build is so cluttered 
and um, forgettable. It reminds me of the prequel Star Wars movies where it's like, this is a cartoon. Uh, I'm watching a cartoon here. And like, um, there's this very famous line when I can't remember if it was, um, if it was Lucas or um, Rick something or other, who's the producer of the Star Wars movies. There's this famous line where there it's behind the scenes. And at some point, I think it was Lucas says like, every shot is just so dense. Um, and then people have made the comment that they're like, that's what I look for in my movies, like density. I, I measure the enjoyment <laughs> that I get out of my movie based on how dense every shot is. Yeah. So <laughs> and, many things, so many things. And like, oh, yeah. that was very much Aquaman. It's like, uh, 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 and then at some point you're just like, is it still going? <laughs> yeah. I just, it's the, here's what's funny about what some of these movies attempt to do and maybe they don't get it. Here's a, for instance, I also watched SWAT recently and there's this, so it's Colin Farrell, Jeremy Renner, other people who are in the SWAT LA SWAT team. And there's this scene that's, I think supposed to establish Colin Farrell's, He's like a, he gets he's a SWAT guy and something goes down and he gets demoted to working in just like the room where they fix the guns and hand people their gear. Uh, but he's still so dedicated that on his off time he's just like running and shooting and doing the push-ups and stuff and and so there's Doesn't this. Does he throw up after he runs? Is that yeah, the movie? There's a yeah. throw up scene. Yeah, because that's how hard. Yeah, exactly. Pushing himself till he throws up. Yeah. <laughs> So then he walks into some apartment. I'm assuming it's his. There <laughs> happens to be a woman there wearing half a shirt, plus maybe some pants that start, you know, below. I mean, just slightly above her pubes because it's 2003. And that's where waistlines were then. And, oh, yeah. And I then that. <laughs> so there's this supremely awkward, like, there's this breakup that is implying one, that there was a relationship. Uh, two, that it was okay-ish. And three, now it's over. Which was a supremely important scene to put in this movie that's mostly just shooting and blowing up stuff. To establish some something emotional. What exactly? <laughs> <laughs> About the- we'll just show the whole relationship. And we're gonna The whole relationship will happen off screen. We'll just show the breakup. <laughs> Is it similar to like Batman needs to be an orphan? Is it just to give him some tent, some like something? Yeah. Maybe he's mo- just in case you wouldn't have guessed. Uh, he had a girlfriend, but he just wasn't emotionally available. <laughs> so let's give you this. Yeah. Three- what does it teach you about the character? How is that relevant to the rest of know. the story? Yeah. So then we've got this so Aquaman opens up with like he's a born of for some reason his mother's escaping and is in a like lands in a lighthouse falls in love with the lighthouse keeper so he is the child of two people from different worlds that's pretty cool that's a thing that's a story yeah. that happens and then and then apparently uh his dad's nice and 
he sticks around and takes care of him still. And his dad keeps waiting for mom to come back because apparently that's how love works. You don't like move on or anything because you're waiting. <laughs> Ooh, hey, to come now back. you're questioning deep movie tropes. That's not, I know. You're not supposed to question that one. I know. Just, <laughs> if you really love someone, you will never move on. You will just <laughs> wait will for them forever. Not only will you wait, but you'll walk out to the edge of a dock in the morning and also in the evening, just in case they've come up. So, uh, yeah. And then apparently at some point your son's, going to be trained by some other fish guy that comes out of the water but no one mm. knows where your mom is cool 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 yeah so what's interesting to me is that is our emotional content that we know about this guy he's like well he kind of takes care of his dad um he misses his mom i have no idea why he decided to be aquaman and kick anybody's ass but he's kicking ass for reasons no one knows that's not yeah. explained and then he doesn't want to be a king that's kind of rad and it's useful at some point but who is this guy? We don't yeah. know. If you contrast that with um, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, if you contrast that with... Interesting super- choice, but I, I, I'm with you. Superhero movie that actually knows how to do the fucking emotional content. Right, right. That has you sobbing your soul out in front of strangers in a theater. I'm just so confused knowing that it's possible. Yeah. Why people wouldn't find a way to write with more emotional depth. Oh, I don't think this is something to blame on the writers. I think that when you see, especially in this specific case when you see a consistent track record of movies coming out from a studio that are garbage repeatedly garbage over and over and over that's money that's the problem it's studio interference and the the difference between that and marvel is leadership right it's like the leadership yeah the leadership at warner brothers it's warner brothers that does dc right Mm -hmm. warner brothers um, the money guys are running the show. And yes, I know the money guys run the show behind like Kevin Feige at Marvel, but they're smart enough to go, you got this. Like we're going to stay out of your way and we're trusting that you're going to make a movie that's going to be amazing because you, we know that that's actually going to make us the most money in the end. So stay the fuck out of the way of the artists <laughs> and yeah. let them make mistakes because they will sometimes. Try stuff have a team that works and goes to deaths. I'm just, I'm actually quite confused. Do they just really make enough money at this point that they have to make it good? They really do. That movie made like a billion dollars because of, uh, largely because of the foreign audience where Mm -hmm. think about watching a movie in another language. If you're watching a movie in another language, what if everyone in that country was like, these people are terrible actors. Like you can't, this is horrible. And then it comes over here and we're like, oh, this is cool. Look at all the visuals and stuff. And you can't tell that they're terrible actors right. um, because you don't know what it's supposed to sound like. You know what they're saying. So you, you get take, different actors doing the voices. You take a shitty uh, m- uh, English movie to China and then a shitty English movie with lots of cool visuals and interesting stuff going on. And then they're like, yeah, I mean, Transformers is like the perfect example of that. It's like mm-hmm. these movies are garbage, but they're visually interesting. Um, 
And that's good enough. It's good enough. It seems to be like demonstrably good enough for them to make enough money to keep doing it. And it seems to me that, that DC people who love the comics, aren't they frustrated? Oh, well, there's a die hard fan base that's very small relatively, but yes, the vast majority of people who actually like Superman, for instance, are like, Ugh, what is this? Because like no one's done Superman right. And it could be done right. Like it needs someone actually creative who understands the character and isn't going to go, well, he needs to be more like Batman. What? No, idiot. (laughs) I don't, I haven't watched Smallville. I'll say I have no idea who Superman is. There are sort of like insert man here. There are a few comics that if you ever wanted to get like, there's a few people who are really smart who took the Superman concept and then were like, what would this really be like? Mm-hmm. And who is the, who, who is he? What is the dilemma? And the dilemma, that's what they did not understand in the Zack Snyder movies is they don't understand Superman's dilemma. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Um, a random bit of trivia about Aquaman and then maybe let's move yeah. on or, or wrap up. I don't even know how long we've been doing this. Um, so he like travels down into this deep trench and then meets like a creature down there. Yes. Do you remember? I don't remember what it was. Is it like a crab or something? Or so like a- he's got to pass some tests. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's supposed to find this magical trident that if he yeah, is yeah. able to wield the trident, he is now considered the king of all of the yeah, world. which is by the way, great way to decide. Um, almost as good as I know this might be blasphemy. Um, Wakanda, for instance, like wonderful way to choose your successor, like by combat. <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's not a great idea. And how do I know that? Because that's the whole plot of the movie (laughs) is that it wasn't a good idea because a psychopath took over your country because he kicked his ass. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit more like a magic hammer choosing you. True. True. In, in the trident thingy, you mean? Yeah. 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 Cause combat. I mean, yeah, the, they have both Wakanda and, and what Atlantis have this like fight with your tridents, and then you win, you get to be king. But this magic trident has this gauntlet that you must pass through that has a different quality. It's more like the magic hammer that if you are worthy, Got it. you wield this thing. Um, Got yeah, it. So, so it tells your character. So exactly. the, the, the point of trivia I was going to make is, you know, the creature talks to him at one point. Yes. Do you know who that was? It had a big, it had a big voice. I love that freaking creature, by the way. Mm, yeah. When, when the, yeah. When he befriends the creature because he has the sensitive ability to vibrate communication to fishy fish. And the, yes. <laughs> the fishy fish. So, so, such a beautiful, heartfelt man who can talk to the, the undersea water beings. The, the, the creature that he ends up talking to at the bottom, which I think is the one that tells him that his mom is still alive or something. That's Julie Andrews. What? That was Mary fucking Poppins who did the voice of that creature. 
What? And gonna- I saw that Julie Andrews was on the cast list and I was waiting, watching the movie for like, where's she going to show up? Is she going to be like a queen who's like, is she going to be like a witch or something? Or is she like the grandmother character who's going to come show up? And like, no, she's the voice of the giant horrific creature at the bottom of the trench. <laughs> That's amazing. That creature is epic. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's already seen his mom. His mom's like hanging out on an island. Mm. after going through all the scaly scaly I watched it a long time ago and I immediately forgot the whole movie pretty much (laughs) my favorite bit is like all this time he's been waiting to see his mom and he's like oh hey mom I'm gonna get this trident thing let's like hug okay but like they don't have ah, they don't have time to talk we're not gonna catch up or (laughs) like reconnect or yeah and then she conveniently shows up at the end spoilers (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, I didn't hate it. I, I really didn't. I did yeah. not hate it. Like, I, I will definitely go out on a limb and be like, I did not like Batman versus Superman or Justice League. Um, totally. This was fine. Um, it was good in some parts and it mm-hmm. was long in the tooth in other parts and pretty dumb in a, in a few parts. But mostly it didn't piss me off like the other movies. <laughs> it was just like, eh. Yeah. Um the um what the first Wonder Woman, no, the second Wonder Woman, that one pissed me mm, off. Yeah. The the first one though, that one actually had I don't think there were any moments in in Aquaman that made me go, "Fuck, that was cool." But yeah. in the first Wonder Woman, there were several moments that I was like, "Damn it, that was actually great." Yes. And then the yeah. it doesn't quite stick the the landing, the ending was not yeah. what it could have been. But then again, when you look and see like uh, Patty Jenkins apparently said that it was studio interference that, that changed the ending. Sure. And, um, but then again, look at what happens when you give her complete creative control, <laughs> you end is, up with Wonder Woman two. Is that her complete creative control? I um, that is pretty much what she said before the movie came out was that she was like, I was given because of the success of the first one, she was given a lot of leeway to make exactly the movie. This was her quote, exactly the movie she wanted to make. Okay. So we have also equated. This is me tying back. Cause I'm brilliant. We've also equated the second wonder woman to being like, what if you take the superheroes and then drop them into some sort of eighties female sitcom? Because mm. that's sort of what's happening. It does like feel that way with the Kristen Wiig character and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the wacky girl. She dropped her briefcase. <laughs> it's like it's like the female version of Perfect Strangers. Yeah, in the eighties or something like yeah. that. Like, what the fuck? Uh, which is to say, I still think the sitcom should just be dead. We we don't need to really bring that back. Well tied back in. Good <laughs> callback. And on that note. How do you feel about calling it there? Absolutely. We Uh do have some other things to talk about, and we may even be considering changing our format up slightly for the next time. Um, But uh, we're going to discuss that further, and then I think we'll come back and talk about stuff next week again. Yeah? Yay. Do you want to tease what we might talk about? Are you going to be able to finish it this week? I, yeah, definitely. So okay. um, we're we're, we're going to talk about a very random 90s movie that I don't think a lot of people remember or have seen. But man, I remember loving it when I was younger. And then I rewatched half of it and couldn't finish. Couldn't we? We didn't have time to finish it. Uh, and then I texted Adrian in the middle and was like, we have to talk about this movie because I'm getting so much out of it. Yeah. And uh, it's called The Long Kiss Goodnight. 
and it stars Gina Davis and um, Samuel Jackson, quite a bit younger Samuel Jackson, yes. post uh, post Pulp Fiction, but ninety like six. Um, yeah, so Pulp Fiction was like ninety three. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, really awesome. Well, let me let me hold up um, yeah. because I haven't finished it. So <laughs> I did. I watched it. I did okay. my um, duty diligence. Nice. I did it. Okay. Well, that's I think what we're gonna do next time because I've got some weirdly deep insights about a kind of schlocky action movie from the nineties. <laughs> Yay! I did. Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. I'll see you then. All right. Um, TV deeply, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye.